Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm driving down the road and uh, I might see a, a billboard or some type of traffic sign and I read it and I'm going, I'm not exactly sure what it is they're trying to tell me. That it really isn't communicating exactly what I think they're trying to say. So I found some of these signs that I brought here today. We're going to look at that maybe we together can figure out what's trying to be said. Here's the first one that says, touching wires causes instant death, $200 fine. Not exactly sure who they're going to collect from on that one. And then I'm not sure what Wendy's is trying to say. Our secret ingredient is our people now hiring. I'm rethinking eating at Wendy's, I can tell you that. McDonald's, parking for drive through service only. Yeah, I, I've been in those drive through lines where people literally have parked in them. I'll let this one speak for itself. I don't know if left is the new right or what that is. And then what are, where am I really supposed to drive my car? I, I'm not sure I want to follow that one. And these poor guys putting in this school crossing. I love the guy in the front scratching his head like, there's something not quite right, but I can't, can't seem to put my finger on it. And if you're looking for a place to stay overnight, here's a great spot I recommend. Lodging next right, state prison. <laughs> and now we got to get the church involved, the Drake Church signs. Here it is. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> so if you're here today worried, we're just going to kill you. You have nothing else to worry about. For the rest of your life. You know, signs are supposed to help us get to where we're going. Signs are supposed to help us get to our destination. Last week at both our campuses, as has already been stated, we started a brand new sermon series entitled Jesus Is. And we're looking at different miraculous scenes in the Gospel of John that John uses those as signs. They are to point us to Jesus Christ. They're to give us greater direction towards our destination, Him. They're to help us better understand and know who He is and what He wants to do in and through our lives. Last week, we looked at Jesus is joy. Today, we're going to look at a scene from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. If you happen to have a Bible or a Bible app, I encourage you to turn there if you want to. John is the fourth gospel of the New Testament, the fourth book of the New Testament. But all the scriptures we're going to look at will be on the screen, so you can just take a look at that as well. But here's what John tells in this story we want to look at. John chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, is a, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one in the pool after... Uh, after each such disturbance, would be cured for whatever disease he had. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool, and when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. 
So they asked him, who is the fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I think it's pretty obvious out of this miraculous healing story about what John is trying to tell us who Jesus is. Jesus is our healer. Say that with me. Jesus is our healer. Look at your neighbor and say, he's your healer. Now, in this story, I believe we get a, a great picture of healing, uh, uh, maybe an overview of healing, or what I might call the, the heart of healing. Because in this, I think we see that, that Jesus is trying to say, we have a part to play in a healthy healing type of life. And of course, the Lord has a part to play. So let's look at this story. Here is this man who has been an invalid for 38 years of his life. He's laying beside the pool of Bethesda, which the people believed contained some type of healing power, healing waters. And the waters would stir up, they believed, by some kind of an angel that stirred them up. It may not have been an angel. It simply may have been an underground stream or, or whatever that would get the waters moving. And they just thought it was an angel. But they believed it had healing powers. And if you're the first one in... You get healed, and here you have all these sick people laying here, and this man who's been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus comes up to him and asks him what, in my mind, when I first read this, just doesn't seem like a very bright question from Jesus Christ. It just seems like the, the Lord is, this is not the smartest question that Christ could ask this guy. 38 years he's been crippled, he can't walk, he's laying beside a pool that supposedly has healing powers, and Jesus comes up and says... Do you want to get well? No, I'm just here to get a tan. I, what, do you mean, what do you mean, do I want to get well? I mean, that just seems like a dumb question. But then when you look at the question deeper, it's really a brilliant question. In fact, it's a very insightful question. Because here's what Jesus asked him. Do you want to get well? Well, the word for well here in Greek means whole. It means complete. It means sound. It's the idea of being fully healed or complete in mind, spirit, body, and soul. Because Jesus recognizes that this man needs more than just physical healing in his life. He sees past what is the obvious and sees deeper into what this man really needs. You see, Jesus Christ isn't about treating the symptoms within our life. He's about getting to the root of of the issues that might be creating the lack of health or the lack of healing that is in our lives. And by asking this question, do you want to get well, we begin to see some of this stuff start to come out of this man because the question is, do you want to get well? That's, it requires a yes or no answer. But that's not what the guy does. What does the guy do? He says, when the water gets stirred, I can't get up and get in the pool, and nobody will help me, and people get in ahead of me, and they get the healing first. Now, those words seem to be some stuff that Jesus is trying to get to in the man. Maybe these are words of bitterness. Maybe they're words of resentment. Maybe they're words of jealousy. Maybe they're words of unforgiveness. Nobody will help me. Everybody's out for themselves. They get in ahead of me. 
Maybe they're words of self-pity. I can't get up. Maybe they're just excuses because the guy really doesn't want to get healed. You know, there's some people that don't want to be healed. Because their sickness or their perceived sickness gives them attention. It gives them power. It gives them control. And if they were to become normal, then they lose all of that. But not exactly sure what these words might mean. But it seems to be something inside of this man that Jesus wants to get to to help this guy see there's more to your need than just the physical healing. And I can just kind of see that every time this guy says something, makes an excuse, or begins to utter this stuff, spew this stuff out, I can just hear Jesus, he just says this one thing, do you want to get well? Well, I can't get in there, nobody helps me. Do you want to get well? I can't stand up, I can't move. Do you want to get well? He just keeps letting the guy get this stuff out, but keeps bringing it back to this one question. Do you want to get well? And then he says this, get up take your mat, and walk. And it says the guy's instantly cured. Miraculous supernatural healing. Now again, these are some very interesting words to me. Because Jesus saying, get up. The man can't get up. That, he, he, he's an invalid. He's crippled. He can't get up. I mean, Jesus could have just said, you're healed. Let me help you up. But he, he kind of puts it on the man. Get up, take up your mat and walk. It's as though Jesus wants the man to take some initiative, to take some responsibility to move towards his healing. It's as though he's saying, look, whatever, if you can just flinch a muscle, or if you can just think it in your mind of wanting to move, if you just want to, if you'll just show that you want to take responsibility of moving towards health, of moving towards change, my power to heal you will be there. In other words, if I could rephrase what Jesus says here, I would say it this way. Take responsibility for what you can control and trust Christ, Christ for the rest. Take responsibility for what I can control of health and healing in my life, that I want to live a life of health and healing, health in my mind, health in my spirit, health in my soul, health in my body, and trust Jesus Christ to do the rest. Now, this isn't the idea of Jesus helps those who help themselves, and it's not the idea of trying to earn the Lord's healing. That's not it at all. But you see, there could be some stuff in my life where I'm contributing and not even realize it. I'm contributing to the lack of health and healing in my life. And if I don't understand that, it's not going to do any good for Jesus to heal what's being manifested unless I understand I need healing over here. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? I mean, if, I'm, if I've got heart problems and I'm asking the Lord to heal me of my heart condition, but I'm living a lifestyle that contributes to a bad heart What's the point of getting healed of a heart condition? I've got to recognize there needs to be a lifestyle change. I mean, if I'm a person in here that drinks excessive alcohol, we know that it can create liver problems. We know it can create blood alcohol, we, uh, blood problems, diabetes type things, all kinds of things it can create. I may want the Lord to heal my liver, but if I'm not willing to do something about the alcohol, what good is healing my liver? the idea of what I know I can change. If the Lord is wanting me to move towards change, and if I'll just take that 
initial thought, that initial movement toward the change he's wanting to bring in my life, he will supply the power that I need for the healing that needs to take place in my life. I mean, there's study after study after study that shows unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, chronic anxiety, chronic fear, chronic worry will definitely contribute and even cause physical health issues, heart problems, abdominal problems, headache problems. We we know that to be the case. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be whole? Are you willing to let me search you through your mind, your heart, and your soul to help you see where there's areas, where there's areas in healing there that I need to deal with? Are you willing to let me bring change there? Are you willing to take responsibility for what you can control and trust me to do the rest? There's a family that's been a part of our church at the Merida campus for many, many years. I've known them a long time, and their older son got married to a woman by the name of Julie. And not too long after that, their younger son got married, and Julie became a very good friend to her sister-in-law. They became very close until Julie's sister-in-law became pregnant and announced to the family she was going to have a baby. Now, that made Julie angry and got her very jealous because Julie, in her mind, I, I married the oldest. I should be having the first grandbaby. So she had this jealousy and animosity she was holding towards her sister-in-law and began to act that out towards her. She also began to beg her husband to say, let's, let's, let's have children. And her husband says, we're not ready to have children. He said, what's the rush? She said, because I want to keep up with your brother and his wife. And her husband said, that's, and that's not a good reason to have children. So then she gets mad and resentful towards her husband. And she's harboring this in. Then they decide it's time to start trying to have children. She can't get pregnant. They have all the tests done. The doctor says there's nothing wrong with either one of you. There's no reason physically that you should not be able to get pregnant. Then she gets mad at God for not letting this happen. And she's harboring all this stuff towards her sister-in-law, her husband, to God. And she's sitting in one of our worship services. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just begins to deal with this stuff in her heart. Begins to point this out. It's as though Jesus came up to her and said, do you want to get well? Do do you want to get well? And when we gave an altar call, she stepped out. She came to the altar. She began to pray and just began to cry her heart out to God. One of our elders came and began to pray for her and then felt led to simply ask, is there something going on in your heart? Is there something happening there? And she began to confess. She began to pour out the idea of all this jealousy and resentment and anger she was holding towards God and to those around her. And she said, I began to feel the Holy Spirit beginning to cleanse me. I began to feel the Holy Spirit freeing me of this stuff. And then she says this. She said, I felt the Holy Spirit almost verbally tell me to tell my sister-in-law what had happened, to go and confess to her. And she said, I kept pushing his voice away. You know what I believe the Lord is saying? Take up your mat. Take, Take up your mat and go do this. But Lord, you don't understand. Do you want to get well? Do, do you want to get well? Take up, take up your mat. So she does. 
She goes to her sister-in-law, confesses, asks her to forgive her, tells her what happened at the altar, how she prayed, how the Lord cleansed her, how she began to just pour out the jealousy and all that stuff, and she's been healed of that. And the sister-in-law said to her, I knew you had that towards me, but I want you to know I love you and have loved you anyway, which blew Julie away. And then her sister-in-law said to her, now that you have confessed this to me, I believe God's going to open your womb. She said, last week, now this has been several years ago, she said, last week I found out I'm pregnant. She said, the time of conception, the week I asked for my sister-in-law to forgive me. I know this child is a gift from God and that his timing is perfect. You see, the Lord's saying, do you want to get well? Are you willing to let me search you to help you see the areas that you're not even aware of that need healing? And when I ask you to move, are you willing to move towards help? Are you willing to take responsibility and trust me for the rest? Now, the Lord has given us as a corporate body some responsibility for praying for people who need healing that are in our midst. He has given us some instructions that we want to be sure we're going to be responsible to do to see the healing of God. Now, what we're going to look at very quickly, because we're going to exercise this in just a moment. We're going to look at James chapter 5. James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He also wrote a New Testament letter. And in that letter, he gives us instructions of what the church's responsibility is to pray for people with healing. So let's just walk through this very quickly so we understand, because we're going to do this in just a moment. First of all, he says to call the elders of the church. This is what he says. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Elders, why, why do we need that? Why is that important? Because elders are not old people. Elders are people who are, are spiritually mature. They are people who have demonstrated a consistent growth in Jesus Christ. And these are folks that can be of any age as long as they've shown over this consistency they really have a true growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is it important that we have those and they're the ones to pray for folks? Because in a corporate setting we don't know who everybody is and we just don't want anybody praying for anybody. We want to be sure the people that are praying over somebody, they have been what you might call vetted. They have been, we know who they are. We know where they live. We know what they're going through. We know how they walk with the Lord. We just don't want anybody praying over you. We want to know who they are, that they're right with God. So we call the elders of the church to pray over you. And then it says, and to anoint you with oil. It says, and anoint them with oil. What's the significance of the oil? The oil in Scripture often represents the Holy Spirit. And the oil also in the time of Christ had healing powers. And there's oils today that we believe have healing powers. But the idea of the oil is to give a tangible, symbolic representation that as we anoint that person with oil, we are saying we believe that the healing presence of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit that the oil represents is upon this person to do the healing. That's the significance of the oil. The oil isn't magic. The oil is simply a symbol, a symbol to say we believe the healing presence of God is upon this person by the Holy Spirit. So the elders anoint with oil and then they pray in the name of Jesus. They pray in the name of the Lord. He's the healer, right? His name's above every name. 
His name is above every disease. His name is above every illness. His name is above every sickness. So it's in His name. He's the one that brings the power of healing. So we anoint with oil, representing the Holy Spirit's present to heal, in the name of the Lord, by faith. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. It's not faith in our praying. It's not faith in the oil. It's not faith in our faith. It's not faith in the elder or the altar worker, whoever might be praying for you. It is faith in God. Guess what? It doesn't take great faith to move God. It takes faith in a great God that wants to move on our behalf. That's what we're looking for. Now, I do not understand why some people get healed and some do not. Scripture gives them indications as to possibilities as to why that happens, but I don't know that in every case we can even apply those possibilities. I don't understand. Even in our story of Jesus healing this man who was invalid, there's all kinds of sick people laying by the pool, but he only chooses to heal this one man. I don't understand that. I don't get it, but I can tell you this. It's not my responsibility to try to understand that. Our responsibility, we're going to anoint with oil, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus by faith, and let God do what God wants to do. We're going to take our responsibility for the health and trust Christ to do the rest. Now, here's an interesting thing James says. He says this, if they have sinned, talking about the sick person or sick people, they will be forgiven, say forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So right now, group up with everybody, and y'all just begin to confess your sins one to another. I'm just kidding. What is James saying here? It's interesting. This ties in with the story of healing of the invalid man. Because at the end of the story, if you recall, the religious leaders ask the man, who healed you? He says, I don't even know. It says Jesus slipped into the crowd after healing the man. But then it says Jesus came and found the man in the temple, meaning that Jesus intentionally was looking for the man and came and found him because he wanted to tell him this. This is interesting what he says. He says, see, now that you are well again, stop sinning because something worse could happen. Wow. We see that in James and in this story with Jesus, sin has a part to play in all of this. What what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, first of all, we got to understand the reason why there's sickness and disease in the world at all is because of humanity's sin against God. Our disobedience to God brought the fallenness of this world, which includes sickness and disease and illness. And everybody in this room is guilty of sin. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all contributed to the fallout of sin in this earth. Therefore, we're all susceptible to sickness and disease. The reason there is any sickness and disease in the earth is because of man's sin against God. Well, then does it mean that every sickness or illness I might have is a result of some personal sin that I've committed? No, it doesn't mean that. It could. We've already talked about unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, alcoholism, substance abuse. Those those are sins. And those can definitely contribute to emotional and physical crippledness and and, and problems and, and, and sickness. So 
It could mean that, but it doesn't necessarily have to. It doesn't necessarily mean every time I commit a sin, I'm going to get sick in some way. And Jesus isn't necessarily saying to the man, it was, it was sin that caused your illness. He could be, but I don't believe that's what he's saying here. I believe what Jesus is saying is this, and I believe it's what James is, is reiterating. He's saying, look, you've been healed physically, but that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need of healing is to be forgiven of your sins and reconciled back to your God through me. That's your greatest need. If you live this life of healing that I've given to you and you live it a life of sin against your God, separate from Him, if that's the way you continue to live, the something worse that's going to happen is the eternal judgment. That if I live a life separated from my God and do nothing about the sin issue in my life, when it comes the day of judgment, the day of reckoning, and there is one coming. See, we live in the day of grace right now. The, word, the Bible talks about it's the year of the Lord's favor, that God looks with grace upon us, and we have a way to forgiveness. But when He comes back to this earth, that way is now closed, and what will be will be judgment. If I stand before Him and the sin issue has not been dealt with, judgment will be upon me. And that's what Jesus is saying. You see, the greatest need of every one of us in this room, the greatest healing need we have is to be forgiven of our sins and reconciled back with our God through Jesus Christ. What, diff, what good does it make if I'm physically healed, but I am eternally lost? The greatest need is forgiveness of sin by being reconciled with my God through Jesus Christ. And maybe today you're here and maybe that's the mat you've got to pick up. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying. The first thing he's saying, do you want to get well? Then pick up your mat and step toward me and receive me. Maybe you're somebody that already walks with Jesus Christ. You know him as Lord and Savior, but you know you're not right with him. You know you've got some sin issue stuff. And maybe what he's saying, you want to get well? You're tired of dealing with some of that stuff? Pick up your mat and move back towards me. Come to me in repentance. Now listen, I can't guarantee that if I choose to walk with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior or I, turned, or I come in repentance to get back right with Him that it's going to bring physical healing into my life. But I can guarantee if I come to Him by faith and repentance asking Him to be Lord and Savior and to make myself right with Him again, He will forgive you of your sins and He will heal your soul. That I can guarantee. So in just a moment, we're going to ask the elders to come forward. We're going to anoint those that need healing. We're going to pray a prayer of faith, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And if you need to come in repentance, you don't have to confess your sins to everybody, but if you need to come, you know something isn't right. You just need to come and give that to God. Let that be what your step needs to be. At both these campuses, we believe in healing. And we believe in praying for folks to be healed. We do it quite a bit at the Marietta campus. Again, it's the responsibility that God's asked us to do. We're going to leave the healing part to Him, but we're going to take the responsibility. We're going to be obedient to what He says to do. And I received one time after one of our services where we prayed for healing, I received this letter. 
said, Pastor Walker, during the service one Sunday morning, you asked anybody who needed healing to raise his or her hand. I did not raise my hand, but I believe an angel did it for me. You see, I've always thought that other people suffered from severe arthritis than I did, and who was I to ask God to heal me? The arthritis in my hands is pretty bad, though. Sometimes I had to use both hands to brush my teeth. To carry a cup of coffee was painful, and at times in order to squeeze a shampoo bottle, I had to squeeze the bottle between my elbow and my ribs. Still, I felt my problem was small next to others who were more totally crippled by arthritis than I was. So my angel must have raised my hand for me. For the next 10 minutes, as you taught, I could only think about how great it would be for my hands to be healed and not to hurt anymore. Then you said for everyone who raised his or her hand to come forward, and the elders were going to pray over them. I believe the Holy Spirit took over my body at that moment because tears just came out of my eyes and quickly streamed down my cheeks as I turned to my mom and said, I have to go. Now, I don't know if there's anything in this person's life at all that was contributing or somehow hindering or even creating her arthritic problem. It could just be that she had arthritis and that was it. But maybe the thing for her when the Lord's saying, do you want to get well? Maybe the taking up of her mat was to simply step out into an aisle and come and be prayed for. Maybe that was the number one, that was the only thing the Lord was saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step out into an aisle and I want you to come forward. You want to get well? Take up your mat. And then she goes on as he says this. She said, I, I begin to just pray to God, asking him to heal me. I said, Lord, heal my hands. Then I gave my hands to him and told him that all the artwork and everything else that my hands would ever do would be for his glory. As I was praying, an elder came up, began to pray for me. He didn't know what to pray for, but he was praying for my healing. And at that moment, she said, I began to felt the hand of God upon me. She said, I felt a very distinct warmth begin to flow in my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. She said, it was a very extraordinary, supernatural and comforting feeling. She said, it had to be the touch of God. When I walked away from the altar that morning, I felt different. Something had distinctly changed. And the rest of the day, I continued to thank God. And it wasn't until the next morning that I really realized my hands were healed. Making coffee didn't hurt. Carrying a coffee cup didn't hurt. And the test of all tests, I squeezed the shampoo bottle and there was no more pain. She said, I fell to my knees crying, laughing, and praising God like never before. My hands were healed by the grace of God. And maybe for some of us it is simply this. The Lord is saying, do you want to get well? Take up your mat. Step into an aisle and come and let my elders pray over you. Because for some of us, the idea of stepping into an aisle and coming forward is terrifying. It, it, it almost immobilizes us. And I get that. I understand that. We all are gripped with this idea of what do other people think. Well, I know most of the people in this room, and the only thing they're going to think if you step out is God, heal them. That's all they're going to They're going to be praying for you. And if others think differently, then who gives a rip? Let's not let what others might think keep us from taking up the mat and going and coming to where God is saying us to go. Let's stand together.
I'm going to invite elders, altar workers, the team to come forward quickly, please, and stand here in front of this altar. While they're coming, if you're comfortable, I'm going to invite you just to lift your hands to him for one moment. Let's just present ourselves to God. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. But all we're simply saying is, Lord, here we are. Whatever you want to do, whatever kind of healing you want to bring, Lord, I'm presenting myself. I want to be whole. I just want to be whole. Lord, reveal things in my mind or in my spirit. Reveal things in my emotions. Reveal things in ways that, God, I'm even harming my body. Reveal things, Lord. And if you're saying for me to move towards change, I'm going to move towards it. And I believe you're going to do what needs to be done. But, God, we're presenting ourselves. We offer ourselves. You're the healer. You're the healer. You're the healer. And we simply want to take responsibility to honor what you say and obey you and let you do the work. Lord, let your healing presence and power just flow in this place over the next few moments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You want prayer. Whatever kind of healing you believe you need, step out right now. Come down and be with one of these elders and one of these altar workers as you feel led. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be embarrassed about. You come. If you have to wait, if other people are there, you just be patient. We will get to you and pray for you. Come as the Lord leads. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.